0: We started off this month talking about hope. And when you cry out to God, when you lament, you don't just end it with, right, your issues or your anger, but instead you get that all out because that's the reality, right? That's, that's what you're going through. And then you have hope at the end because, you know, Satan, right? He wants us to stay in a, in a state of anger and um, frustration. But God says, all right, you, you give me your issues and then trust in me that I will be there to help you, even though you might be in the midst of a storm. So storms are going to come. I haven't met anyone yet that has never had a storm in life. Even, you know, people, you think like, oh, the the... Musicians or the actors or these people have all these this money. They never have any problems in life What I mean, that's like most of the gossip columns you see on the Or what the tabloids or whatever you call them the the papers at the magazines that they have at the grocery store It's all about their problems. So money didn't fix their problems fame didn't fix their problems They just have different problems than we do and so You will have problems in life. You will have storms You will want to lament, you will want to get it all out, talk about those problems, have some, maybe some anger at whoever's caused those problems or anger at God that they haven't stopped. But then by trusting in the Lord and ending that prayer time with that hope and knowing that the Lord is with you makes a huge difference. So we talked about that last week, but what I wanted to look at today were some examples of situations that people were in where, in the end, they put their hope in God. Now, some of these are classic examples from the Bible, but I sometimes I feel as though we think that everybody has heard them and experienced them and learned them when they were little in Sunday school and so I can just refer to them as an adult and you know what I'm talking about but the reality is in some cases we have to actually reread them and remember what happened so the first one I want to talk about is David and Goliath and what I wanted to do was to start in 1 Samuel 17 and read to you what actually happened. Does that sound good? All right. So now the Philistines had gathered their forces for war and assembled at Solkar in Judea. They pitched camp, and Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. So we've got the children of Israel, and they've got their land, and then you have the Philistines who are in neighboring People And they come up and they want to fight the Israelites. So the Israelites don't want them to come through their villages and be near their children and their wives and their homes. So when they see them coming, they go and approach them and they want to stop them there and they want to fight them in this valley before they get into their community. Make sense? It's like, oh, they're coming. Well, let's meet them at the border. Let's not wait until they're already inside our villages. So a champion named Goliath came out of the Philistine camp his height was six cubics in a span he had a bronze helmet I wanted to look here I think it's saying that he was about nine feet tall when we when we what we understand understand the measurements nine feet nine inches It says, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of armor scale of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, or about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, it says. I'm assuming it's some sort of armor. A bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighted 600 shekels, and his shield bearer went ahead of him. Now, Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not all servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, he will become. we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this Philistine's words, Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So they have an army coming after them in their towns and their children and their villages. And when they go up to face them, they say, Hey, we don't all need to fight. Just one-on-one. And whoever wins, we promise that we will just be your servants and slaves. Now, we know that when Saul became king, it was noted in the Bible that he was head and shoulders taller than any of the other Israelites. Now, I couldn't tell you if that meant he was six feet tall and the average Israelite was five feet tall. Or if maybe Saul was seven feet tall and the average Israelite was you know, six feet tall, I don't know, but I know that Saul was a big guy, and so they probably were hoping Saul would come out and fight Goliath, and if they could then kill the king, they could kill the leader, then they would totally submit as slaves, because then the king, the leader would be gone, and they wouldn't have anybody to organize and to rally behind, and they were terrified. The men were probably thinking, like, well, if our king goes out and our leader goes out, what if he's killed? Because he's not nine feet tall. The Bible would have told us if he was nine feet tall, right? They're telling us Goliath was, but they never said Saul was that tall. And they're probably thinking, if we don't, then what if I end up having to go against Goliath when they come after us? So they were in a moment of attack. Somebody was attacking them and is going to take away everything they knew now as Americans in this day and age we really haven't experienced quite that type of storm but we can kind of relate when we look at like the Ukraine right now we can see that we can see like here is Russia trying to come in and they've gone through and they couldn't stop them at the battle lines right they've gone through and hurt so many different people but in this case it says they were dismayed and they were terrified but now David was the son of Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judea. And Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. It says that Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war, the firstborn, the secondborn, and the thirdborn. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning and end evening and took his stand, the Goliath did. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this basket of grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses for the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and they are in the, with the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So Jesse wants to know how is the battle, what is going on, bring them some food. They're stuck there in this valley. They've been there for over 40 days. What is going on? What is happening? So it says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up the lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle line and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. So David heard the challenge. We're in a mess. We can't leave until these people turn around and go home. Because if we leave, then they're going to come and devastate our lands. So I'm at a standstill. Have you ever felt like you're at a standstill? Like I don't want to deal with this situation, but if I ignore it, then it's going to maybe destroy something that's going on in my life. But I'm really afraid to confront it. Right? Sometimes that's like you got a situation at work or in a relationship, or you maybe you have a shut off notice you just got in the mail, and it's like. I'm really afraid. I don't know how to handle the situation. I, maybe I don't have the money, or maybe I don't want to confront this person. But if I do nothing, something's going to get shut off. Something's going to continue that's going to destroy. And in many cases, I say, you know, people call it being paralyzed by fear. You just, you do nothing. And in some cases, you don't know what to do. And in some cases, there's so many different things. I call it paralysis of analysis. You're analyzing it, and you're trying to think it through, and well, what if I do it this way? What if I do it this way? You don't know what to do, so you're paralyzed. So here they were every day being faced by this. It says, and David heard it, and whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give him great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage, and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. So they knew the reward if they went out and fought this guy. And let's be honest, most of us know the reward if we will deal with the issue in front of us. If I finally make the calls and find, you know, some help or figure out the money for the electric bill and I get it paid off the reward is I will no longer have a shut off notice looming over me if I go and I confront the boss at work or the person in the relationship and I finally tell them how I feel it might be you know a battle in the middle of it right an uncomfortable conversation in the beginning but in the end, they will know my heart and maybe they won't do that anymore or maybe something will change but most of us don't think about the reward for going forward, most of us get stuck at the thought of the fight, right, the, the action we have to take, that how uncomfortable it's going to be in that moment. And we let the moment of uncomfortableness seem bigger in our heads than the lifetime of this change is going to bring. and the reality is we think that we're doing it all on our own we're lamenting we're angry we're we're mad that we're in this situation and we forget that there will not only be reward but God will help us go through that moment of uncomfortableness so the men were saying this David heard this he knew he knew what would happen if someone went and fought him but you know what David did it says that David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David knew. David knew. The men had been saying it. He just heard. So why did he ask them again? He wanted them to say it again. You go out there and do that, and you're going to be rewarded. I love how he adds, who is this guy? What is this problem? He's just uncircumcised Philistine. He's defying the armies of the living God. He didn't say, what will happen if you face this nine-foot giant with this spear that weighs more than you do? He didn't do that, did he? Because if he would have done that, he would have glorified the power of the enemy. Instead, he glorified the power of his God, and he reminded them of their reward. Go and face this battle; you will be rewarded. And who is with you? The living God. Who do you think your problem? What's your problem? That? That? That's nothing. You got the living God on your side. Now, it doesn't seem practical, right? I'm sure if a year ago I told you the entire armies of Russia and all of their fury are going to come down onto the Ukraine, your focus would have been on like, oh boy, one day they'll sweep right through and they'll take the capital. But that's not what the Ukrainians focused on, is it? The Ukrainians were like, no, we're going to stand up to Goliath and we're going to say, you can't come past here. And now it's been weeks and they have not been able to do what the Russians have not been able to do what they thought they could do. See, these practical things are happening in our everyday life where we have these storms. And see, Satan wants us to believe that our focus will be on the power and the might of the enemy, or the power and the might of the situation that is coming against you. But David knew the truth. doesn't matter how big your enemy is. Your God is bigger. It doesn't matter how long the battle lasts, the reward will last longer. I love how, you know, they were saying, they said the king will give them great wealth. They will have the daughter in marriage and his family will be exempt from taxes. A lifetime of no taxes, a lifetime with a beautiful wife, that would last them forever. The battle wasn't going to last forever. And in many cases, the battle is coming whether or not you take charge of it or not. If they would have waited long enough that all the Philistines would have just attacked them, and they would have had to go through the battle. If you don't deal with that shutoff, notice your power will be turned off. You can avoid your situations. You can avoid those problems. You can lament to God about them and do nothing about them. Or you can do something with your focus not on how big the problem is, not on the battle, but on the reward for dealing with the situation, on the living God that will help you through that battle. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Satan, who do you think you are? You don't have the power of God in you. You've tried to do everything with only your power and only your might, and you have the absence of God. And I've got the living God inside of me. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done to the man who kills him. When David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few little sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came only down to watch the battle. Now, what have I done, said David, can't I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. When you decide to remind those around you about the living God and about the rewards, if you guys can handle the situation and what's going to be on the other side of this trouble you're going through, you're going to have at least one big brother criticizing you. Right, Even though it might not be a real physical big brother, but you're going to have somebody in your life that's going to say, no, you can't do that. I remember I had gone to the Good Samaritan Rescue Mission at one point, and I got home and I told my husband, I said, I've got to do something. I'm going I'm to do an event. I'm going to invite all these people in town to go on a tour of the mission. I'm going to make it into a fun game. This is what I'm going to do. And he's just like, oh, Okay. And then I went to a bunch of my friends, and I began telling them so this event I was going to do. And I remember I had more than one person say, you can't do that. You're just a stay-at-home mom. You don't, you don't know how to advertise all over the community. You don't know how to bring everybody together. Nobody's going to want to sign up to do that. You can't do that. And I had to remind myself and them wait a minute, do you think I'm doing this by myself? No, I've got the living God on the inside of me. I don't have to know how to do things. I have to ask him how to do things. When we rely on our power to handle the troubles in front of us, we will be defeated in our mind because we think that it's by our hand, our reach, and only what we can do. But when we are reminded and we remind those around us and we go forward and say, God, I need your help. This is my situation. I will not end my lament and anger about it and ignore it and let it come overcome me. No, instead, I will go and I will overtake it by the power of the living God in me. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, for help. I'm going to have hope to know that he will be with me when I do it. Now, What's interesting is that his older brother didn't say, God's not going to help you defeat this enemy. God, God can't help us do that. He didn't do that, did he? He personally attacked him. You are conceited. There's wickedness in your heart. I know who you are. You're my little brother that's a snot-nosed brat. He probably thought of how he was when he was younger. Probably reminded him of his past. Has that ever happened to you? I'm going to remind you of your past how do you think you can handle that last time you did this? Today's a new day. Sometimes it's not even somebody around us in the physical. It's our head. It's our our memories. It's, it's It's our voice. It's Satan saying to us, whispering in our head, who do you think you are? You couldn't figure it out before. What makes you think you're going to figure it out now? I just love how David says, now what have I done? I love that. Oh, come on. You're always criticizing me. Everything I do, you don't like. Now what is it? Kind of like, your opinion doesn't matter to me. You don't approve of anything I do. Can't I even speak? And then he turns around and says it again to somebody else. That's got to be our attitude when Satan reminds us of our past or when somebody around us tells us we can't do something. Huh? Now now you don't like this? Yesterday you didn't like that? I'm going to speak. Can't I even speak? I'm going to go speak, and I'm going to go over there and tell them. I'm going to keep telling somebody. I'm going to keep going around. I'm going to keep finding somebody until I get myself in a place where I can deal with this. It says that he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. He already knew the answer, but he was going to keep reminding those soldiers of who they were dealing with. You are dealing with an uncircumcised Philistine and you are the armies of the living God. No, I see a giant who wants to kill me. No, you are the armies of the living God. No, I've got this problem and there's no answer. No, you are a child of the living God. No, you don't understand, Mary. I don't have any money. No, you are a child of the living God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who made the heavens and the earth, who can move mountains. And he will help you. You have to shift your focus in order to have hope. Because if your eyes are on the monster in front of you, you will run every time it comes near you. It says the children of Israel scattered and they went hid and they ran every time Goliath came out. And David's going around and saying, Who is that? You are the armies of the living God. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. I love that. You're the leader. Why are you losing heart? And we talked about this before. What does that mean to heart? Your soul, your emotions. Why are you guys walking in fear? Have you forgotten who you are? I forget who I am sometimes. Do you ever forget who you are? You think I'm just a person that lives in Michigan with problems. No, you're not. That's not who you are. You are a child of God. You have been given the authority to use the name of Jesus. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. You sometimes you got to write it down and put it on the mirror in your bathroom. You got to put it in front of the toilet for when you sit down. You got to put it by the sink for when you're washing dishes. You got to put it in your car so every time you get in and turn it on, you see who you are he's saying to the king of Israel the youngest son of the smallest tribe of the smallest village of Bethlehem of Israel in Bethlehem in their culture he was the lowest of the low you couldn't get any lower and be an Israelite you maybe there were slaves that would consider themselves lower servants but he was the lowest of the low of the Israelites and he is facing the king of Israel and he says do not let these men lose heart and he's looking at this big tall guy and he's the youngest son and he says I'll go take care of it because I came here and looked around and saw how they're scattering and you all have forgotten who you are if I'm the only one here that knows what to do I'll go do it and he says to them let no one lose heart on account of these Philistines your servant will go and fight him and Saul says no you, you are not able to go out against the Philistines and fight them you are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth now not only has his brother his oldest brother who's supposed to be listening to when his dad's not around has told him what do you think you're going to do you can't do this now his king of all of the Israelites he says no you can't do this Sometimes people around you, people in authority, will say, no, no, this isn't possible. You can't do this. You know what I say? Good thing I serve the God of impossible. Good thing what is impossible for man is possible with God. Because my vision, my heart, my ability does not come from what other people say is possible. And neither should yours. Your ability, your vision, what you do in life should be based on what God can do and what God will help you do and the miracles God can bring into your life. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to do it unless you ask. But you won't ask if you don't know that he's willing and that he's able and that he wants to help you. If you end your prayer in the lament, you will stay in the storm or you will have the storm overcome you, and you have to deal with the effects of that battle when you had no control and no say in it. But if you end your lament and your prayer time with hope and say, okay, but God, you can do more. You you are able. You have to be able to help me. You have to show me what to do. Sometimes people say, well, Mary, I don't even know what to pray. Well, sometimes you don't. You just got to say, Jesus, help me. But sometimes I say, think. Ask him for wisdom to know what to do. Ask him to bring you favor for others that could help you. Ask him to open up windows of blessings. And if you really just don't even know where to start, just say, help. Jesus, help me. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it down and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He didn't say, I'm going to go kill the Philistine because I'm an amazing warrior and I can kill a lion or a bear. He didn't say, I killed a lion by my power and by my might, and even though I'm only a young man, I have the ability to kill ferocious animals. He didn't say, I learned how to kill animals when I killed the lion, and that's how I could handle a bear. No, he didn't. He says, I did those things because of God. Your servant has killed the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. When I went against the problem of the lion, I didn't have the ability to take care of that, but God rescued me. He gave me the ability. He gave me the strength. He gave me the wisdom. When I went up against the bear, I didn't have the ability. But God rescued me in the midst of that storm. The bear was coming no matter what, so I went and faced it instead of running away. And God went in there with me, and he helped me. What's interesting is if we sit down and look at our life, you will probably tell me of an example of when God did a miracle for you. But six months later, five months later, five years later, when you're in the midst of another battle, you forget that he rescued you back then, and he'll do it again. We almost need like a, a, a bulletin board of reminders. God helped me with this situation. God helped me with this situation. God did a miracle with this situation. So when another situation comes, and you need a little bit of hope, you look at that reminder board and say, God did that for me here, He'll do it for me now. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now, it's nice that David told Saul this, so it's recorded, so we knew how God had been with him before in battle. And in that case, because the king was the final authority and needed approval, he had to take that time to talk to Saul. But you notice he didn't do that with all the men on the battlefield, did he? But once he got in front of the person that could finally approve him to go, he explains to him, look, you see a little young man. But that's not who goes out into battle. Who goes out into battle is a child of the living God, a soldier in the army of the living God, like the living God goes with me. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put on a coat of armor on him, and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over the tuna and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his own staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch on a shepherd's bag. And then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. I love how Saul thinks my way is the only way. And David's like, no, 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 let me check with God. How does God want me to approach this? And he was willing to take what somebody else offered as help, not in a disrespectful way, but just in that moment, he said, this isn't going to help me. Again, sometimes we're afraid of confrontation. We're afraid to tell the other person, that's not how I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it a different way. It says that Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Your problem sometimes will taunt you. Your situation will taunt you. Don't react to it. Don't let that make you afraid. David said, didn't turn around and run away. Oh, he said bad things to me. You know? Didn't matter what the enemy said, didn't matter what the situation said. He was going and he was going to face it with the power of the living God. All of those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. The enemy taunted David and says, you little thing, my might, my power, because I'm a nine foot strong man is going to kill this little puny thing. And David's like, really? You think this is all I'm coming to you with? The Lord is going to deliver you into my hand. The Lord, we got got, got a living God back here who takes care of his children. They all forgot and they've been scared. But I'm here now and I know the truth. And even if only one person knows the truth and asks God for help, God will show up. You can have... 40,000 people here in the army, and they all forgot who they were, and they didn't ask God to help. But I'll ask God to help, and I will go in his name, and he is going to make this be done today. Because finally somebody remembered who they were, and they asked God to help And he knew as he went forward, it was not going to be by his might, not going to be by his strength, but by the power of God that this situation was going to be done. Eh, Maybe David was a little brother and thinking, dude, you need to come home. We need your help around the house. You know, dad's making me do all the hard work. Like, let's get this show on the road so you guys can get back and take care of uh, your wives and children. Those kids are driving me nuts. Like, seriously, dudes, come on, let's go. Maybe it may, right? Maybe he was just, maybe that's why. You think? (laughs) Maybe he knew the truth and was just in dismay that everybody he talked to knew what the reward would be if they took care of this and they still forgot who they were. I love this. I'm going to read it one more time because I want us to remember this. I want us to, the next time the enemy tells us in our ears, you can't do that. This situation's big. You you got the storm. I want you to... Think of your phrase. I want you to write down somewhere and put up what David said. How dare you defy, child of the most high God? You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army. I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or by the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle of the, is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. You are not going to win your battle by a sword and a spear. You are not going to win your battle by your physical might. You are not going to win your battle because you can cut down the people that you're upset with. You're going to win the battle because the Lord is going to be with you. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistines and killed him. Was that quick? That simple? Done. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, and he drew it from behind the sheath, and he killed him, and he cut his head off with the sword. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judea surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath. Their dead were slewn along the road, and they plundered their camp. I don't know what situation you have in front of you. But you can be like the other soldiers and scatter and run every time it confronts you. Or you can remember who you are. But if you don't shift your focus, it's hard. Philippians 4, I know I've read this before, but we're going to read it again. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgivings, present your request to God. I'll be honest with you. A lot of times I talk to people, and they tell me about something, and I'll say, What are you going to do to change this? You know what they say to me? What do you mean? It's not going to change. This is just my situation. This is this is my life. This is who I am and, and what I accept and, and what I will have forever. I have found that people don't pray for something that they don't expect to ever change. I was born with brown eyes. I have brown eyes. I've never once asked the Lord to change the color of my eyes. I, I haven't. I've never prayed, I never got before the Lord and said, please change the color of my eyes. Why? Because I, I think that's just never going to change. Like, I've accepted it. I, I'm okay with it. I, I don't want a different color eyes. That's just, I've got brown eyes. I identify as a brown-eyed person. I have brown eyes. So I have never seen a need to ask the Lord to change the color of my eyes. But... When I've had an eye infection, I've asked the Lord to bring healing to my eyes because I thought that was something that could change. So what have you accepted in your life that you thought will never, ever change? Because the, the soldiers that were there with David... They, they didn't think that anything was going to happen. They didn't think anybody was going to go face him because they thought it was impossible, that they were going to have to stay here. They had been there for 40 days. They didn't know how. They, we're just going to be here. We're just going to hold them off here. We're just going to be here. Sometimes what is causing you anxiety in your life is something you've accepted, and you just keep dealing with the anxiety day after day, week after week, in some cases year after year, and you haven't gone in prayer and ask for anything to change because you've accepted You think this is just who I am. This is my life situation. And why would I ask God to change that? And you need somebody like David to come in among you and say, what is this? You are a child of the living God. And you've spent your entire life lamenting this issue. You complain about it. You go to God, maybe you're angry about it, but you've never added the hope at the end of it. You've never added the, now make it change, because you are the living God. You've accepted your Goliath. And every time you see the Goliath, you run and hide. But you have decided to live your entire life with Goliath terrorizing you. I don't know what your Goliath is. do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellence Excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Goliath is in your life. He causes you anxiety. It's it's a problem. And the man of God comes, and he says, shift your focus and pray, and then you will see change. Just like the, the soldiers needed David to come in there as a man of God and say, Hello, don't look at how tall he is. Look at the fact that he is not one of us. He does not serve our God. Our God is with us. And so he goes to battle with us. And so then the man of God said, Just look at me, everybody. You, you don't know how to fight Philistines. You've all forgotten. Oh, okay. Let me go first. Now you've seen what I just did to him. Go do it to them." And they all took off and they killed them all the way down the road You need one person in your life to get up in your face and say this is enough Look at me if I can overcome these things you can too because we serve a living God and Paul had to write them and say Don't be anxious Go to prayer You serve a God that is amazing. Shift your focus on what is good and what is right and watch me. And do it this way and you will have peace. I think we should pray. Tonight I'm excited to be able to like have this entire time where we can come up and you can really just pray and give things to God. But before we leave this morning, I want to pray for you. And some of you have, it's very obvious what your Goliath is, that you've accepted and you just run away from in fear and you don't face it and you don't do anything about it. But for others, you've just accepted things and you haven't realized that you can ask God to help you. Or you've asked him to help you once or twice and nothing changed. And so you think that, well, he he, he isn't going to help me, Mary. I already asked him once and nothing happened. You know that part where Paul says prayer and petition? Petition means you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. Jesus, when he was asked about prayer, he says it's like a widow woman going to an unjust judge, and he says no the first time, and she doesn't give up. She goes again. And then he, he says no, and she goes again. And she says no, and he goes, she goes again. She never once thought that this guy's an idiot, and he's never going to help me. She thought... I need help, and if I keep going one day, he will help me. And Jesus says, now this guy was unjust. How much more does a loving father want to help you if you don't stop asking? So I don't know where you're at. Maybe you didn't realize you should ask. Maybe you've asked and you stopped asking. Maybe you're like that widow woman, you're still asking. I want you to know that you have hope. But don't let the vision of the problem give you the anxiety. Let the hope in knowing that God will eventually take care of it. You might not know how, you might not know when, but he will. Let that be your focus so you can walk in peace while you're dealing with your Goliath. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this message. We thank you that as we have learned how to pray and how to come to you, that we are learning that we can have hope and confidence that you are a mighty God. And it doesn't matter how big our Goliath is or how long the situation has been, that you have a way where there seems to be no way, that you have a solution, that you have a different way of looking at it, that you have wisdom in our neighbors and they need to come over and tell us that you have favor on somebody that's been seeing it and they're gonna come in this week and take care of it for us that you have the ability to bring healing and restoration to our lives so that if we need to let go of something or, or change our habits to make this thing go away that it will happen because we are asking you to help in any way possible David was willing to try on that armor because he was willing to let God help him and take care of this giant anyway. So Father God, we don't know if we've been stubborn and unwilling to try a new method and you want to take care of it that way, reveal it to us this week. If if we're just stubborn and we're not hearing your voice, then speak a little louder. Have somebody else come and remind us. Make it obvious. We don't know how you're going to take care of this Goliath, but we're asking you to help us defeat Goliath in our life. He's been taunting us. He's been scaring us. He's been causing anxiety. He's been been making us run and hide. But we have been reminded we are not alone, and it is not by our might and power that we will take care of these situations. It is by your might and your power. So help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope to see you tonight at 6 if you are able. Thank you.